Christmas Christian Podcast. Yeah. Welcome in, everybody. I think you it. were just mad that you weren't included yeah, in that bump. I th- well, I thought he was literally just like telling you to, I, I, like, I didn't know you knew we were starting. Oh, I knew we were starting. I always know. <laughs> hey, welcome to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast, a Christian podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. I'm your host, Shane Topper. Say, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Eric. Why is anyone listening to this podcast right now? Because do you guys it's, understand? It's a good question. That there is S Town available, to even listen without S Town. Why did anybody <laughs> listen? Yeah, but S Topper, you haven't listened to it yet, Shane. You're listening to it right now. I I'll be honest because I I always try to listen to our podcast to get our plays up. Yeah, even though yeah. It's one, one, <laughs> not, that one. not like one makes a difference. <laughs> I've stopped because of S Town. <laughs> wow, S Town is so. I listen to it. It's seven episodes. They're an hour long. Mm-hmm. I listen to all of them in two days, and I want to listen to them again. Yeah, just amazing. Well, if you if for people who don't know what S Town is, who does, who's listening to a podcast that know what S Town is? Because S Town is like destroying our podcast world. Uh, any anybody who's just friends with us and only listen to us because guilt, guilt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But S Town, if you if you know anything about the Serial podcast, which was actually in our local area, which is pretty yeah, cool. that was that's always awesome. You don't listen to Serial either, no. Topper. How why are you a podcast host? Do you listen to any podcast? And you don't listen to any podcast. No, I'm currently listening to uh, Francis Chan's reads scriptures so i'm busy with uh oh with uh, my relationship with god instead of um, yeah, oh, oh that was a jesus that was a jesus juke <laughs> that, really was, that really was that really was yeah cereal was for those that listen to it like we lived in my dad went to the same high school yeah as the uh, as and my dad Adnan. too <laughs> yeah shade that too so it's listening to that one was crazy because like everything they and talked Topper's about dad yeah and mom all, all of our dads and, but not our mom yeah um so when listening to that podcast was cool because it was like when they said when they're talking for those that listen to it, they talk about like the the phone booth at Best Buy. Well, I was I was thinking, was there a phone booth at Best Buy? I used to hang out at the Best Buy all the time. We would go to yeah. So like that was pretty cool. But now this S Town stuff is just. If you haven't listened to S Town, you need to go listen to it. It's I've I started this week and like John Eric B. McElmore. Yeah, there's seven <laughs> episodes that are like an hour long, and I'm I, I'm already like just about done. Yeah, in a week because it's, so, it's good. so maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, you're not gonna check it. If out. You, <laughs> you never know. If you liked Making a Murderer on Netflix, then you would like Serial and S Town. If you watch Making a Murderer and went, man, I wish just a little less completely 100% biased on one side <laughs> yeah <laughs> then then s-towns where you want to go or cereal right. cereal they, they they were a little biased but they would talk about how they were biased yeah and all that stuff you but, know we're really pushing this hard and um it's making it sound like we're like sponsored by them or something we're not getting anything for doing this they don't need us they don't need us <laughs> they don't no, need we, anyone we still want you to listen to us too yeah yeah don't, yeah. don't forget about our pack. yeah you, you <laughs> listen to s-town after you've listened to all of our episodes twice okay we need the plays so. yeah hey well today's a special day why because we got our friend greg with us oh greg's right. here hey, what's up greg? buddy what's up guys hey, he's been sitting here this whole time uh greg is is a friend of mine uh we go to um well greg actually is going to crossroads which is where i i've worked all, and all of us used all of to us go. used to go but Church beyond to. that greg and i actually went to elementary school together and didn't even know it um, what elementary school Relay Elementary School. Yeah. Right. Relay. Yeah. I sat right next to each other. Yeah. 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 And, and you like, probably, you probably picked on him because he was a nerd. <laughs> Greg picking you, on me. Yeah. You. Yeah. I was about to say. Picked on you. I was not picking yeah, Shay, on anybody. Shay, you were the cool kid. That's true. <laughs> I, I saw you, Elvin. I was Google. too busy making sure that Eric was holding the door correctly. <laughs> went next to his girlfriend. Yeah. I was trying to pick up my chicks. Anyways, but um, Greg and I, we were talking and, and we were like, I knew we knew that we grew up in the same town, which is also the same town that all of us grew up in, Arbutus. And um, 
And we were talking, and then and then I was like, "Well, where'd you go to elementary school?" And he's like, "Relay." It's like, well, "What year would you?" Have... And we were, were in the same grade in the same elementary school. Didn't even realize. You it. guys don't remember each other at all in elementary school. No. His face looks familiar, like <laughs> as though I've seen it before yeah. in life. Yeah, yeah but... that's that's about it. But beyond that, but and you but you didn't go. You went to Arbutus Middle after that. I think the. I, Started off at Arbutus Elementary, but they closed down. And then you and went then to like, I was probably there for a very short period of time, yeah. probably not even a full year. And, and then, then they, for middle school, did you go to Arbutus Middle? I went to Arbutus Middle School. I was, I was at Arbutus Middle. So we were there at the same time, but I was two years older. Yeah. And I did not hang out with anyone at Arbutus Middle. <laughs> and then Lansdowne High School, which is where Topper went to as well. That was me, Relay Arbutus Lansdowne. Yeah. So you were at Lansdowne when Topper was there. Yeah. yeah. There so. may have been, I don't know, because two years older. So yeah, I guess I would have been in sixth, he would have been in eighth. And yeah. then lands down, yeah. Yeah. Man. I know. So we, we were around the same area. Uh-huh. We grew up in the same area, but didn't know each other at all. Nope. <laughs> nope, not really. So, Eric, what grade are, I, are you in the same? No, I'm two years older. I'm two years two older. Years so older. I graduated in 2003. You guys might know my sister. It, what, it, what, was she 2003? Um, Kristen Wyatt, she went to... Arbutus, and then she uh, went to Lansdowne. I don't know. What, I didn't go to you, Was she 2003, you said? I she, think so. She, she might have been. I know I was in school at the same time as her, but she's so you she's like four maybe. years older than me, actually. Maybe. Oh, okay. So. Well, then. Oh, okay. Two yeah, I was about to say, if she was in my grade, she probably had a crush on me and everything. So. <laughs> 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 I'm just, I'm just assume it. <laughs> so, but we wanted to have Greg on because Greg has a crazy um, life, <laughs> right? A crazy yeah. story. A million different things that have gone on in his life that he's told me a lot of his testimony and, and where he's come from and, and where he is now. So we wanted to give Greg an opportunity to share his, his story. Yeah, makes exactly. sense. So, so you grew up in, in Arbutus Relay, all which that for area, people right? who aren't local, yeah. that's basically uh, it's Baltimore County, Baltimore County yeah. which is 10, 15 minutes outside of Baltimore City. Yep, yep. What would you what would you consider where we were? I mean, it was it was like middle class, I guess, closer to lower. I mean, it was a yeah. little in the between lower class and middle class. It's, I would consider lower class where there was people that were. Well, if you get certain parts, is yeah, lower, are, are, is definitely lower class. Yeah, so it's not it's not a whole lot of like Wynwood area is is a pretty nice area for the most part, but mm-hmm. you know it goes the schools few, aren't considered great. The schools are not very good. Stuff. So um, did relay's good. Relay's good. Yeah. The um, area, the uh, right where I'm at, like Circle Drive, yeah, and Gloria, it's it's a nice area, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, it's just got a lot of misfit kids that came in, yeah, yeah, know? yeah. But mm-hmm. it's um, not so, a bad area. So, did when you growing up, did you did you grow up in like a Christian home? What what was your like early childhood family life like? Um, <sighs> where do I start here? I'll say this. My mother may disagree with me, but I wouldn't say my home was per se necessarily like a Christian home. I didn't grow up Christian. I mean, yeah, we had our times where we went to church here and there. Like Christmas comes around, my mom wants everybody to go to Christmas Mass, or Mm -hmm. you know. So there was times my parents would jump around and try to find churches. I believe my parents always believed, but for me, it was not a reality. Like being christian what christian christianity was Mm -hmm. what believing in jesus meant you know churches angels demons the bible all that yeah wasn't a reality to me so just every once in a while you would go to church every once in a while but besides that you didn't hear anything else my dad hit me with the belt if i get the the button-up shirt on and (laughs) get ready so that they could all go to church so yeah there were times we went to church but it's i don't really consider 
myself as growing up in yeah. a like Christian Christian home. Did yeah, you have you know? a good relationship with your mom and dad? Um, <clears throat> I I mean I have a an amazing relationship with my mom now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, my mom is my she's like my backbone. You know, mm-hmm. um, but you know it was on and off. I had like. You know how they say there's two sides to every coin? Yeah, yeah. You know, like on one side of the coin, you know, my life and my family was crazy. Just a lot of madness. But on the other side of the coin, I was blessed, you Mm -hmm. know. Like I have a mother and father that came out of um, heroin addiction and straightened out their life. My father became a biomedical electronic technician at Sinai Hospital. From being a heroin addict to... From being a straight... I mean, he he literally lost his leg from... um, He got into a motorcycle accident. They tried to save his leg, and he lost his leg because he wouldn't stop shooting needles in his leg. Oh, my goodness. So he's... And then he became a biomedical electronic technician at Sinai Hospital. That's crazy. Making, like, anywhere from... I mean, $30 an hour aside from, yeah. you know, like the hundreds of dollars he would make, you know, working on people's computers and stuff. So, wow. And my mother, she, uh, she's always been like an administrative like work, you know, mm-hmm. working for like pest control companies and stuff like, yeah. you know, doing the important stuff, yeah. <laughs> whatever that is. Right. So then when, how about this? And let's get more into, into your story. And when you got a little bit older and and you became a teenager and those sort of things. When did you start finding yourself getting into trouble? When did I start? At like what age around? My mother says that when I was a child, I was extremely innocent. Okay. Like, you know how they say the good die young? Or uh-huh. they, and yeah. they, they say the innocent, you know, the... The devil likes to go with the the very innocent. Yeah. You know, he likes to destroy that innocence. So mm-hmm. my mom says I was very innocent. I was very like sweet child. Um and she says and which I agree with her, you know, um interpretation of when I started to get into bad things, I'd say it wasn't until I like I hit the ages of like fifteen, sixteen that mm-hmm. I started to like rebel. Yeah, you know, and then it then it was around the ages of eighteen, nineteen that I started getting to like crime and mm. and drugs and things of that sort. So around fifteen, sixteen was was you were just hanging out with certain people, and it's made you, or you just kind of. Just, I mean, that's kind of the age that a lot of people um, started pushing. But I th- it it had a lot to do with uh, a lot of it's tied with like you know watching what my older brother was doing, watching yeah. what my older sister was doing, and then I found my mm-hmm. own little crew. Right. Um, I guess the best way you can ex- I can explain it is growing up there's a lot of there's a lot of craziness in my home like my brother um his name is Jeff and uh he was he um I just knew he was in a lot of trouble. Yeah. He was always in stuff. I remember there was a time when I was younger seeing a truck full of guys drive down the street with them in the back like the back of the open bed yeah just party and listen to music and i saw my brother with them and they were leaving going somewhere and i just it, there was a point where i started to see my mom you know chase him down and stuff he yeah. had got into a heroin addiction and mm. he was out hanging around going going out with the wrong crew i was um he got involved in a like a neighborhood little clique or gang called v1w's and mm. um you know, I don't really know much about them like that, but I know that a lot of his friends were coming into my house, hanging out, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it was like 
it was, I guess the best way I could put it is my mother, my mother's the type of mom, she's, she always wel- she always welcomed our friends. Yeah. You know, which have might have backfired on her in the long run. Yeah. You know, I can tell now she's like, shouldn't have been so open to so many of your friends and so many of your girlfriends and stuff, you know? Yeah. I guess times my mom, like, like my mom's let like two girls live at my house for more than a year. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. live with me outside of marriage wow. and stuff, you know? And she, she she's won't let a, that happen now. Yeah. yeah it's because she, she's, nah, she's always she, had a good heart, right? She's always been someone who doesn't want to judge and, oh, and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, she's she's just been a down earth mom, you know. She's she's tried to welcome our friends. She's always been involved in taking us to events and stuff. But you know, you sometimes that can backfire on you when you yeah. try to have a kind heart and be open. Yeah. And next thing you know, my brother's bringing in friends that are on mm-hmm. drugs, and now he's in the drugs. Yeah. And, and then my sister, you know, my sister had a lot of. So okay, well, my brother. He had a lot of friends hanging out at the house, right? Yeah. Boxing in the basement and having fun and everything. And then fight I see club going on. Yeah, they'd just be having fun, yeah. you know. And my brother, he had that kind of like uh, hard, uh, like uh, like thug mentality attitude. Yeah. And I looked up to that, and I yeah. picked up, I picked up on that. And, and your then, older brother, it's easy to look up to. Like, oh, I mean, look, the first, <laughs> the, and then my, yeah, it's all, and then my sister, which has been a big part of my life a majorly yeah. big part you know the first first cd i ever had first was my bought by my sister was, was the M&L. Cisco? Uh, <laughs> the first cd the first cd music anything i had was little wayne um uh, uh, one, of first, one of my first <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then eminem lp uh-huh. yeah yeah and they were bought by my sister on on like my birthday yeah you know and i listened to them until they literally were broken so yeah you know, so, so you kind of yeah. grew up in like an environment and a culture almost that was like you saw your older brother and your older sister doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Um, you kind of your your family um, they weren't necessarily using that point, but there's a background of that. So you're kind of surrounded by all this different stuff when you're becoming your own person at 15, 16 years old. It sounds like. Right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was, it was when I was becoming my own person. I don't remember exactly how I came into my own crew. I think it started with Lansdowne. I started yeah. to skip school. Mm. Yeah, and we're in and Lansdowne is is not considered like a good school necessarily. Yeah. So like, if you are in that environment and you want to rebel, that's a school you can go down some oh, dark yeah. ways because there's people that Absolutely. can do it with you. There's, a, I mean, I remember going to that school, seeing you know seeing crowds of kids just fighting you know mm. I, rem- I remember i actually sometimes i wonder if i'm the reason they got cameras in schools <laughs> <laughs> because i literally like lands down high school like i you know there was a time i walked into the bathroom and walked out i, ha- I didn't i did not do this <laughs> but i sure got accused of it but a bathroom door was ripped down and i was i was the guy they came right at because I mean, there was, was so really much topper. other destruction it was topper doing yeah, it. yeah you know what i feel like <laughs> now i can come out and say that that was me <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll kind of tell you a few little random things, like yeah. to tie into what you're asking, because yeah. you know, there's so much to it. It's I don't really know how to explain it all mm-hmm. in just a couple words, but you know, I was expelled in the sixth grade yeah. for taking a knife to school. Okay. You know, and, and why did you bring the knife to school? Um, I told them because I was being stupid, and that's all I would say because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. I was so young, but um, I was there as a kid. Uh, there was just people I was getting picked on by. You know, mm-hmm. I was picked on in school. Yeah. You know, there's a lot. And that, I believe that also developed me becoming so, um, you know, such a misfit 
in my later years is mm-hmm. because I always felt like a an outcast. You yeah. know, I always I was skinny, I was pale white. I you know what I mean? I was um I've had learn learning disabilities most yeah. of my life. And you, you also know. want to be accepted later in life too. Yeah. And so if there's a crowd that will accept you, mm-hmm. then it's very easy to start to go with that crowd too. Yeah. And I, I just remember getting picked on, you know, I remember, you know, going to a basketball court and just having this kid randomly just smack me in the face with a basketball as hard as he possibly could. And I don't even mm-hmm. know what I did to the dude. Yeah. Really? You know, and I got to a point where I was just like, Oh, I'm gonna prove myself. Yeah. 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 You know, I I had a friend who cheered me on and when I got in a little fight on recess and Ever since he cheered me on, I just I was like, I'm gonna prove to everybody that this little dude can scrap. Yeah, yeah. And that's the type of attitude I develop. Okay. Yeah. It's kinda like the first episode of Hey Arnold. Shane, you cannot relate. Hold up. Oh can we pause for a second? <laughs> Shane's trying to find a way to relate. More like Malcolm in, in the middle. <laughs> Malcolm in the middle. And his only way he can relate is that he watched Hey Arnold as a Do kid. Do you remember the first episode of Hey Arnold? I can tell you, Hey Arnold did not bring a knife to school. No, but he got in a fight. He was supposed to be a fight. And he was like, I'm crazy. And he was like, do you guys remember that? Yeah, I, I you remember I that? Because yeah. <laughs> he was, that was like me. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> just like that's it. People are gonna start to see how you know. Because you see something. <laughs> you're not the biggest guy. You're not the strongest guy. Nope. But you were scrappy, and you wanted people to know that you weren't to be messed with. So you wanted to show how crazy yeah. you were. Nobody likes getting bullied. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. There was still plenty of times I'm, I was afraid, and yeah. still to today, there's you know, there's been situations I've had in prison where I'm like. Like, it's best I walk away from this yeah, one yeah, or yeah. bite the bullet because this person could easily destroy me, yeah. you know? but So so you were kind of getting in trouble here and there in middle school because I mean, you got expelled in sixth grade and then there's probably other things. And then, and so, then, wait, when you got expelled, did you go to a different school or? No, eventually they let me back. Oh, okay. You know, gotcha. they, they let me back and they knew it was because somebody was picking on me that I yeah. brought it, you know? Yeah. So then you get to high school around... When when do you leave high school? I dropped out of high school. Yeah, when when'd you do that? Like what grade? I think all four been? years of high school I was half half the time I was skipping. Okay. So so, so you were there even in your I just, senior year for four I had, years. I had learning disabilities. I've always struggled with learning. I had comprehension problems. Mm-hmm. At least now I feel like I, I have the ability to be for some reason I could read that Bible like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. But growing up, going through middle school and high school, I I just I had learning disabilities and I had yeah. I just struggled comprehending I, I struggled um, focusing and I would fall so far behind I just it was like hopeless so yeah, yeah. you know as I went through the, the got expelled in the six and they let me back and and then um, I had to go to summer school mm. at Lansdowne Middle School which is, I was like the only white kid there yeah to be honest and then you know I went to seventh and the eighth grade I think I did all right then but then once I got into High school lands down in the ninth grade. Then I started to, um, you know, I started to meet kids smoking in the bathroom and mm-hmm. and kids skipping school. And I just was behind on all my work, and I just I couldn't keep up. I couldn't pass. They had me in a um, IEP program, yep. mm-hmm. individual education program. Um, you know, where they'd have like a math tutor to help you through your math and stuff like that. And I just. You know, there's teachers I fell in love with, but it, it, regardless of how much they tried to help me, I just wasn't right. And yeah. uh, you know, there's even a time in high school where I t- I took a bunch of sleeping pills and passed out and like fell down the 
mm. the steps mm. you know and they took me to the nurse and then i passed out again on the floor yeah i took like a bunch of trazodone wow. you know Jeez. and they were all like what's wrong with you like i was in class and i just turned white as a ghost and was like yeah was like out. straight gone you know so everybody wow. knew like this kid's <laughs> this kid's up to some stuff yeah, like yeah. he ain't right yeah. you know but uh, I just started skipping, and there was like uh, some abandoned buildings some kids um, would go to, and I started hanging out with them. And yeah. then I'd just walk home. It got to a point where I'd just start walking home. And then my mom, she couldn't get me to go to school. Yeah, I wouldn't go to school for nothing. Mm. And then at least that's not how to exp- that's how I know how to explain yeah. that part. Yeah. So so then during all this time, hopefully I'm flowing with y'all. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. it's good. good. It's so good. Far. It's good. So that so during all this time, you're you're getting exposed to drugs and you're doing drugs you're doing you're doing drugs right at this point yeah and yeah, so, so like, did like it start with, with everyone that gets in the drugs starts off with weed okay. alcohol so now and you and, move up and and it, yeah, actually i just remembered a key part really what got me started me in the drugs was mm-hmm. the bus stop oh that's, really that's really what it was it was kids from a um, you know, obviously the bus stops right around the corner from your house. Mm-hmm. So this is the, probably the part that you, you yeah. needed to hear. It was I live on Gloria, so right next to my street is Circle Drive. Mm-hmm. So there was a bunch of kids on Circle Drive. Yeah, and they we all went to school, so we all meet at the bus stop. And you know they were smoking weed before school. Mm-hmm. That's where it started. Mm-hmm. That's where it probably starts with a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. going to the bus stop with some other kids, and, and you're waiting for the bus to come and yep. killing time. And yeah, yep. You smoke weed, go to school high together. Yeah, and then skip, find other things to do. Got you. So that's really what it started on Circle Drive. Actually, there was a time where Circle Drive, it was like a bunch of kids from that area, on that street that lived together. I won't mention their names or nothing, but everybody would just meet on circle drive and then it was like the circle drive click mm-hmm. yeah. circle yeah, drive yeah. clue we yeah. just meet there and hang out and smoke and go to a basketball court and play basketball together and mm-hmm. just get in trouble so yeah. that's really what got me that's what caught me in my own personal little road right aside yeah. from what i saw with my brother and sister yeah then where how what you went from weed and then what'd you do next and how long how long did you smoke weed before you started doing other stuff um hmm. I think it was I mean it it wasn't too long after I started smoking weed. Let's see, I was in Lansdowne High School when I started to do drugs, probably the ninth grade. So I know by the by the twelfth grade I was sniffing coke mm-hmm. yeah. and smoking crack and uh I uh I had never did heroin or anything at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but I started to sniff coke and you know, I started to try you know, I was smoking weed, drinking alcohol, sniffing coke and just you know, I eventually ended up doing shrooms mm. and just So now was it's, all this stuff it's hard to remember all yeah, of it. Yeah, but yeah. But what, as you jog my memory it'll come to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah. Right. But was all this stuff easily accessible to you? Um. Yeah. If it you was, just knew, it was if everywhere. You knew the friends. right person, then you know. It, when I first started off, I never really had to buy anything. It really? was always my friends that had it. Yeah. It was yeah. Always, I just showed up and they'd get me high. Or it was always friends. Like yeah. there was a time I got in. Um, like when I started to really get into cocaine, um, was when I started to work at a um a co- like a scam company. Mm. 
um, they're they're they call it they're the speaker boy drivers. They drive around in a van selling home theater systems mm-hmm. for a guy who buys like a bunch of systems in bulk. Yeah. And then you got to pay in like $200, but on it, it says like 3200 mm. manufacturers retail um, price. Yeah. And if you could sell it for 500 you give your boss 200 and You made 300 bucks. You and, yeah. Your, yeah. you and your partner that pitched and sold. So, you know, it's full of lies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like a perfect lie. Like you can't find fault. Not even the police could find fault in it. You yeah. Know? So, but it was a group of a bunch of like crazy heads, like mm-hmm. kids yep. that were just into stuff. And that's where I really started to get into cocaine with them and driving around in these these uh, vans mm-hmm. selling these speakers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That, that was after high school, though. Okay. Okay. So, so you're after high school now. Um, you're you're doing coke and crack and all that stuff. When's the first time you did heroin? The first time I did heroin, believe it or not, was within uh, the last year. Oh, okay. Which is crazy. Yeah. Because um, I've I'm like I haven't used any drugs within the last two months. Yeah. Really. I that's I pretty much I was just recently in a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That took me down the wrong path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got out of prison. Yes, I still had sins. Mm-hmm. I was full of lust and desires yeah i wasn't yeah i was too i was too idle-minded when i got out i had to desire to do right when i went to prison which mm-hmm. i'm sure you guys will ask me about that and i'll yeah, go yeah. how i ended up in there yeah yeah but just to, to fill you in a bit like if i could just fast forward to mm-hmm. the last year mm-hmm. yeah i got a bad relationship the girl was hooked on um opiates painkillers and I got with her. I was lonely. I mm-hmm. wanted to be with somebody, and then I just kind of followed her lead, and yeah. I started to. And I never thought. See, I had I had a deep hatred for heroin, yeah, because I saw how it affected my older brother, yeah. and I saw how it affected so many other people. Like I know tons of people have died from heroin overdoses, yeah. yeah. And um, I'm like, I'll never get in the heroin. There was like a time before when I worked in this company, I tried it like once or twice, yeah, and I I didn't like it. I was like, I'm never doing that again. And lo and behold, I meet yeah. a girl who's doing painkillers. Yeah. And then we go to a drug dealer who offers us a free sample. That's yeah. how they catch you. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I can, you can get it cheaper and I'll make more money because yeah. you'll come to me a lot more often. So he gives us a free sample. Yeah. Neither one of us had per- money for Percocets. So we're both sitting there thinking to ourselves, this is cheaper. Let's try it. Yeah. You know, we did it. And the next thing you know, I got I got hooked on heroin, but I'm not hooked on it anymore. That's good. Yeah. So pretty much what happened is I I ran I cried out to Pastor Kevin Hardy from Crossroads. Yeah. I cried out and I'm like, I'm I'm going the wrong way. I need help. Yeah. And I just now as you see, mm-hmm. Shane, I'm like just immersed into the church. Yeah. I'm like yep. there every day. He's there I was every there, day. I was there until like nine o'clock that last night, yep. and I'm going there again today until mm-hmm. nine to. I'm probably gonna go there like five o'clock today, yeah. but I'm gonna be there till eleven at night. Yeah, so it's definitely where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. um, so but here. if we go back then to um, then now because you've talked you've mentioned a couple times now going going to prison, but when did you start getting in trouble with the uh, with the police? Circle Drive crew, mm-hmm. kids pulled up in a stolen car, joy riding, and uh, I was right there. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get right in. I was like, Wait, "They're was crazy." This high, this is high school. 
Or is this later? This is this is high school. High school, okay. Yeah, probably during the summer though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wasn't actually. It wasn't the school year. Yeah. It, you know, school year was over for the. I think it was summertime. They pulled up in a stolen car. Two kids, you know, and there was a there was a house on Circle Drive with two girls that mm-hmm. I knew that were crazy. <laughs> like these are the craziest chicks I ever met in my life. I'm still really good friends with one of them, who's actually turned out real good girl now mm-hmm. but they were the craziest chicks i mean it was actually this girl that taught me how to steal cars yeah, yeah. like i was taught by a female you yeah, know yeah. how to steal these things and um but yeah they were there was a house of these two girls where everybody was going and smoking weed and having fun yeah and next thing you know like they they must have had these guys that they liked mm-hmm. and these guys showed up in a stolen car and i happened to sort of know them and then the next from school so next thing you know i'm I'm in the stolen car with them, and we're driving. We're driving around, and uh, next thing you know, at the end of the night, there's just tons of police. You know, like I think uh, what happened was they had a, a Jeep Cherokee mm-hmm. yeah. with the ignition popped out. They used the, they popped the ignition out, and they used a, a flathead screwdriver to put it in the ignition and, hmm. and turn the, the key. Like that's how you do it. You you like pull so the is it ignition easy? piece out. It's easy to steal a car depends yeah if it's a hoopty yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) if it's a hoopty you just pry the ignition out if it's uh one of the today's cars it's not that easy like i don't know how to wire a car Mm -hmm. matter of fact any most of the cars i've ever stolen uh you walk down a residential street trying handles until one pops open open the glove box and there's spares spare keys really i can get i can get i actually bet somebody one time when i was doing it i said i i I was in a neighborhood that was i was in catonsville at a Uh friend's house we were partying drinking i was like i bet you Uh i will leave your house and come back in 20 minutes with a car really he's like no no i'm like i bet you i will and he's like i don't believe you and i'm like all right i'll be back and he's Uh like all right and so i left with a friend and 20 minutes later i came back with so you just walk down the street, just trying. I just door well, I handles. found a residential street. Walk down, like it's that's people need to think smarter. <laughs> yeah, lock your doors. <laughs> don't put, and don't, and don't keep spare keys in your car. <laughs> that's hey, you'd crazy. be surprised how many people in residential streets with nice homes leave spare. Key. I hope whoever wow. listens to this doesn't do that. Yeah. I hope that this saves them. Yeah, they, <laughs> wow. there's tons of people who leave their cars unlocked and leave their spare key or they put spare keys in their car my goodness <laughs> so crazy. most of the time i didn't have to break a window i didn't have to nothing yeah you just got yeah. start a handle search through the car open up the glove box there's spare keys and then you're not even making a scene so it's not like anybody is you know suspicious yeah i think the first car i ever stole on my own mm-hmm. was actually walking down circle drive really <laughs> Was I walked down? I don't know if the guy who parked the car was drunk the night before, but me and my friend were walking, and there was a car with the door wide open, and I'm like, and he's like, dude, that car, but he didn't know how to drive, mm-hmm. so what really started me into it because you know yep. when you're in crime and you're living a sinful lifestyle, you have it in your head like, you know, anything that you're skilled at or known for that's bad, like you think that's cool, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, but and like. A lot of my friends didn't know how to drive. I was driving for years before I even had my license. Yeah. I had a car that was on the road while, you know, way before I had my license. Right. Well, we're walking down the street, circle drive, there's a car, door wide open, and I went up to it. Um, my friend didn't know how to drive, and he's like, let's, let's do it. And so I went up to it, memorized where the parking spot was, searched through the car, 
opened up the, the back trunk. There was a jacket in the back trunk. Went in it, found the key. I looked at it. I was like, dude, I think this is a spare key. And I went and it started the car. Mm. So then I like accidentally sh- like locked the door. I shut the trunk and locked the door. And then I shut it and like I put the... I can't remember what I did with the key or something, yeah. but I almost couldn't get back into the car. But somehow I was able to get back into the car. And when I did... I'll tell you this, I probably stole that car every night for like two weeks straight. What? <laughs> and I would take it back and park it in the same spot and fill, I would find ways to get money and put the gas on the same yeah. of what it was and I'd park it. So oh that dude's car goodness. was getting stolen every night for like two weeks straight and returned. That yeah. is insane. You were just borrowing. I was borrowing. Yeah. Need to go get some I don't groceries. know who the guy was, but I was borrowing the car. And I, I would park it and uh, he would never notice until one day I went to take it and there was a club on the steering wheel uh, and really? I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. That so, is crazy. But I, I used to, I remember used to pulling up and I'm like, man, if we pull up and the cops are already at this house yeah i'm like screwed but the cops i would like creep down the street or we would go park somewhere else and walk to the street to yeah. see if cops were there and if they weren't then we'd pull up and park it real quick yeah, yeah. wow so, wow so then that's how crazy yeah <laughs> so so you you get into stealing cars when but when did you start getting in trouble with like get caught yeah getting caught um well the the time these kids pulled up on circle drive with the jeep cherokee mm-hmm. um police ended up coming to my house and everything I Why to your house? They they went to everyone. They oh, were going to they, everybody. Okay. I don't know who said my name or who said what, but somehow my name was brought into it. They showed up to my house. I didn't end up actually getting in trouble for that. Like yeah. the cop was like, "You got to be in court, or you'll be." A, but I never showed up to court, and nothing ever happened. Oh, it wow. just was dropped. I think yeah. the other kids had gotten in trouble. Um, I think they couldn't prove I was there, mm-hmm. you know. So they just they tried to right like make me think i had to yeah you know police will try to put fear in your mind to get you to show up to court but um i didn't actually get in trouble with that it wasn't until um i was hanging with some kids in my neighborhood like maybe years later and i was drinking everclear does anybody here know what everclear yep. is i i don't really know too much about i mean i've heard of it it's yeah. like 120 yeah, proof oh god percent alcohol wow. it's, it's like, like gasoline dr- it's like drinking <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's pretty strong. That or old granddad is like some other one or something. I think yeah. that's what it's called. Yeah. But uh, it's like extremely strong mm. alcohol. Wow. And they, you know, kids in my neighborhood made something called jungle juice and they yep. would mix that with fruit punch and they drink it. And the, what really got me in trouble with the police was getting drunk mm-hmm. and blacking out. Mm-hmm. Because when I blacked out, which I don't remember. Yeah. You know, and I do, as time goes on, things come back. What, people tell me what happened or what i remember the police saying the police report i remember you know it just brings things you remember like little flickers almost like uh little flashes of things Mm -hmm. of events you know you can remember but at that moment you're not coherent fully you know and um i think i drank everclear and me i'm like let's go rob some cars and me and this kid uh anthony he's i don't even know if he exists anymore so uh we were walking down the street and i started try cars and i uh the first time i ever really got in major trouble with the law was uh ford at a ford f-250 i think mm-hmm. it was f-150 or f-250 i know it was a, one of the nicer truck. big trucks truck. found spare keys in it and i stole it drunk off everclear 
and the guy that was with me you know I, when i found it i turned around he was in another car and i said hey come on and he comes with me we get in the car and i think he had a girl he wanted to see so he called her and we start driving there and he parked the car i was a little too drunk i was drunk to, too drunk to drive so he started to drive and he was going i think it's because he knew where this girl's house was so he was going to this girl's house and when he i guess got out the truck he parked it he went to the house or somewhere i don't remember where yeah. too drunk to remember i decide on a residential street to get into the driver's seat mm -hmm. and then i get in the driver's seat and i put it in drive and i just like i mean on a small street i started to drive and i think i there at the end like you know how some streets have like a circle at the end of yeah. it yeah. and like the cars are parked in like the right. like driveways i think it had like that and I like started to do donuts for whatever dumb reason. <laughs> oh my and goodness. then I ended up crashing into a bunch of parked cars. Yeah. And then my friend came out and like jumped in the car and was like, dude, you're drunk. What are you doing? And I'm just like not coherent. And uh he like we had a bunch of stolen stuff um in the car that we stole from other cars or something. And um we like ditched the car and we're walking down the street. And although I can't I don't visually remember it, but like hearing wise i remember yeah. what i heard mm -hmm. and i remember i just i remember hearing uh cop cars a ton of cop cars pull mm -hmm. up and i remember hearing them tell us to get on the ground yeah and uh you know i just remember having like cds and stuff and like a book bag of stuff and like they were like drop your stuff and like i don't know if they had their guns pulled on us or whatever but we dropped our stuff and next thing you know, they arrest they arrested us both, and um, I don't know why it always happened this way, but I I would it's like I would pass out once the once the adrenaline hit me or something. It was just like I would go completely incoherent, and then I'd wake up in a police station, mm -hmm. and with police interviewing me, and then they have this other guy in the room that was with me saying he's me. Yeah. They're like they come in and they're like this guy's saying he's Greg Wyatt, and I'm like no, I'm Greg Wyatt. And they're like, <laughs> Well, he's saying he's Greg Wyatt, so don't be lying to him. Oh I'm like, I'm Greg Wyatt, man. I don't know what you want me to tell you. you know? So, like, I don't know what was that. I guess he had a warrant for his arrest or something. So, yeah, he's trying things, to get but, out of yeah. it. So, you know, and I ended up, uh, they they let me go to my to my parents on my mm. own because it was my first offense. Yeah. And But what happened is I ended up having to go to rehab. Like in order, like we, my mom got me a lawyer. I had to go to Mount Manor in Beachfield. I don't know if you know, like it's it, it's down. It, if you're in Catonsville and Frederick Road, it's mm -hmm. down. It's Mount Manor. It's um, Mount Saint Joseph's Monastery. Okay, is Mount Manor gotcha. in in Beachfield? Like it's at the end of Catonsville, mm -hmm. like Frederick Road. Mm -hmm. But I had to go there for 28 days, mm. and that um. That was that was the first time I got in trouble with the police. Mm. Um, so then, how did you get to the place then where where you actually were sent to prison? I assaulted my child's mother. Mm. That's the crazy thing. People yeah. were like, "You went to prison for domestic violence." Yeah, but you didn't go to prison for because I have I have I'm I have a felony conviction of first degree arson. Mm. It's I pretty much tried to light someone's house on fire out of retaliation i didn't go to jail for that mm. you didn't but, go to jail for that no you were arrested though <laughs> i was arrested yeah so I why did. are you trying to light someone's house on fire 
I was trying to buy Xanax. They didn't give yeah. me all what I was buying for trying to buy. Okay. Um, and I went and took this, what I did get from them. Yeah. And I went home, blacked out, um, went back to their house. Or I Before I took them, I went back to their house and I threatened them. And yeah. I was like, if you don't give me all what I paid for, I'm coming back. I'm going to take all your stuff. I'm going to take your TV. I'm going to take everything. Yeah, threatening them. Yeah, and then I guess I got impatient, and I went home, took what they gave me, and I went back with a can of gasoline and poured it on their back door. Hmm. You know, I had a car at the time, so I poured it on, on their door, and um, I wasn't successful. I was probably too yeah. high. Yeah. But um, I ended up getting arrested for it. Did and you actually light it? Yeah, I did. Hmm. But I think they, they smelled the gasoline as I poured it, and they... Because um, they were inside. Yeah, they were inside. They smelled the gasoline, and I think they like used a hose to put out what I was able to light. Because I didn't know. I don't know if you know this, but you can't just throw mat a match. Or, it's not like the movies. It's not like the movies. <laughs> no, gasoline is not as easy to light. It's yeah, yeah. the fumes that are that are flammable. Really, yeah. the liquid. Like you could take a you could take gasoline and and uh, take a lit cigarette and throw it on it, and it'll put the cigarette out. Really. Yeah, hmm. that's what was happening. I was, I was like, and I actually almost burned myself because it wouldn't work. And, and you're like, high trying to do it. Too. Yeah, yeah and then I so I used the lighter, and but and it started the light, and I, I left to I left as soon as I saw it light to really see how bad it ever got. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they probably exagger exaggerate because I had to pay restitution for like their back door and stuff like mm -hmm. that, and then they said like I'm sure they exaggerated the damage to get money or restitution mm -hmm. out of me. And then they, I mean, I could kind of tell because they said that there was an old lady with oxygen on an oxygen tank in the house. I didn't know nothing about mm -hmm. that. If mm -hmm. I would have known that, I probably would have thought a little differently at that yeah. time. But um, I got like two, two and a half years probation for that. Mm -hmm. What this is the, the way the government works is like, you know, that was the first felony that I ever faced. So in their eyes, they're like, we want a felony conviction. Mm -hmm. Okay, we won't send you to jail, but we want you to plead guilty to this felony, yeah. which there was no doubt I was guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was nothing I could do, you know. Yeah. Plus, the girl that I was with, the girlfriend, wrote a full testimony uh, or a full report, like saying everything I did. She like entirely told everything because yeah. she had never faced an officer or a police in her life, and they they had her so afraid. So yeah. I I don't I understand mm -hmm. why she said something. Yeah, she yeah. Was, and you. Frank. And you did it. Yeah. <laughs> and I did it. You know what I mean? So I'm not mad at the girl yeah. that I was with at the time. This was a girl that was living at my house. Yeah. But um, they want the felony conviction. So that, that way, it's on your record. That way it's on my record. That way, if I do get in any more trouble, then they could put you in jail. Yeah. They which, can which definitely you, slam which you, you did. with. Which I got more trouble, they put me in jail. Yeah. yeah. And that's how... So in all reality... I probably wouldn't went to jail. I probably wouldn't have were, um, went. You know, had a judge tell me, Mister White, you are, uh, we're gonna sentence you to ten years, all suspended, but five, if it wasn't for that felony conviction. Hmm. It's yeah. like they saw that felony. Now I'm in a domestic violence situation. He's a violent person. Let's yeah. put him away. Yeah. Like so. So how how long did you go to jail for? I spent. They gave. It was a ten year suspend. Uh, ten year sentence. Uh, with five five years that i had to spend but when you go to prison um which i started off in towson detention center when you go um you you can get good days 
Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Um, like good behavior type stuff. Yeah. As long as you stay out of trouble, you don't get in any trouble or anything like that. Yeah. You get good days. Yeah. So, um, I ended up spending just three years. Okay. A little under, maybe like a month under three was, was years. Was prison like, was prison scary? Prison was the most toughest time in my whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never, I mean, not only the way I see it, and I've tried to tell my child's mother this because it, it was my child's mother that I assaulted. Mm-hmm. You know, it well, was what, a, what happened with that? If you don't mind sharing. <clears throat> I'll be honest with you. I was violent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm the type of person that um, I don't. I think a lot of people. I'm I'm gonna mention something from in prison, but I'm gonna answer your question. But I so that you understand my answer, I want to mention something in prison. A lot of people that knew me in prison knew that I was pretty harmless. Mm -hmm. Like I'm the type of person that I won't hurt. I wouldn't hurt a fly unless you hurt me. Mm -hmm. If you hurt me, there's a good chance I might hurt you. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the type of way I've always... Like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to hurt nobody. It's all retaliation. It's it's always... Any violence that I've ever had in me that's come out was, you know, 95% of it, you know, other than maybe times when I was younger, being a kid, Mm -hmm. like, trying to be tough in front of my friends to the other kid or something like that. Right, right. Which was rare, Mm because I actually always hated bullies. Um I actually like to beat up on bullies, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's the type of person I've always been. But that's retaliation for someone else, al- yeah. almost too. Yeah, most of the time it yeah. was. Yeah, but most of the time, um, like it was out of vengeance or someone hurt me. Like past mm-hmm. Kevin says, hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah, it was vengeance or being vindictive mm-hmm. and whatnot. So my child's mother was. You know, she was cheating on me. I was coming home, and we were living in an apartment in Dundalk. She, I was coming home, and, uh, like, I was finding beers in my fridge mm-hmm. and, that were not mine, that she was saying her dad were her dad's. Mm-hmm. I knew she was lying. I knew they weren't her dad's. Then she started to use things that I'd never messed with, like methadone. Mm-hmm. I, at the time, I didn't really know much about it because I, I just smoked weed and drank a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. But she was uh, using methadone. I kept seeing her nodding out and just a lot of stuff going on behind my back. I was stressed out, a job. I was working construction. They were sending me to Fredericksburg, uh, Virginia Mm -hmm. um, to do work. And I was coming home on the weekends. And then I had my daughter with her. And when I had my daughter with her, she was very, very, she like, she like kind of hoarded her to herself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not the best with children, you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to say I am. I'm not going to say I'm the best father even now. I love my daughter to death, but it's, you know, I have OCD disorder. I have anxiety disorder. And I just, I've never been the easiest. It's never been the easiest thing for me to like focus and be able to deal with a kid, especially a child that's like crying mm-hmm. and I like freak out. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this child. Yeah. Yeah. But her mother kind of like hoarded her to herself, wouldn't let her, wouldn't let me like hold her and go mm-hmm. to sleep with her in the bed and stuff. And it started to make me angry at yeah. her. And then I started to feel like she was trying to keep her from me or, or take her from me. Mm-hmm. So there was a day we were in our apartment. Um, I can't remember everything, but I know she left and she came back wearing like a dress that I'd never seen before. And then she was like, we got into an argument and I was like, I just got home from Fredericksburg, Virginia. I didn't get a chance to spend time with my daughter or see her. She's still an infant at the time. 
her mother i got into an argument with her mother i guess her mother saw like the rage in my eyes so mm-hmm. she like started to like feel like she needed to leave the house but i didn't feel like she was at the time i was like i don't feel like she's leaving it it's not like she's like okay i'm gonna just go like she was kind of being equally vindictive like mm-hmm. saying like i'm just gonna go to a bar or something like yeah and i'm thinking like what go cheat on me again and then when she went to leave i ended up attacking her yeah. um i probably would prefer not to go into the yeah, details no, of how i attacked fine. her yeah. i'll just say that i choked her mm-hmm. um if she was to hear this mm-hmm. yeah she'd pre- probably be appreciate my honesty mm-hmm. yeah you know hopefully yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I choked her until she like passed out mm. um there was other things that led up to it too yeah yeah, yeah. like you know what i mean like uh i saw her breastfeeding my daughter nodding out mm-hmm. and i didn't know why i found methadone in her purse mm-hmm. that so there's a lot of things that are making yeah, me yeah. angry and well, it, it's just a, it was just a bad situation it was all a bad situation it was a time in my life i had no godly counsel mm-hmm. i was not you know i was yeah. not very spiritual i was like extremely like on the dark side mm-hmm. so then you go to prison for three years three years um does, toughest time of my life mm-hmm. yeah so and then so you when you get out of prison how long ago was that january 6 2014 okay um when did you start been to almost three years okay so when did you start to because you have this this journey of of doing drugs and, and crime and just all these things that that you would regret when did you start to get back with your relationship with god or, or start a new relationship with god when that all start happening mm-hmm. it's interesting the way it happened and i can't say that you know how there's a lot of people that don't quite understand when they were saved yeah i'm to a point where i'm not gonna say see i was saved before i went to prison yeah but um in 2006 my father was sick he became ill from cirrhosis of the liver mm-hmm. had to go on a liver transplant list all this stuff he um 2006 right before christmas i think it was december 6 or the yeah or december 26 one yeah. of the two he passed away and right before he passed away before he was you know because he eventually was so sick he was like a raisin laying on our couch yeah. you know hospice was at our house but right before he went went to that state where hospice came in he was in a wheelchair and he went to a spiritual retreat and he invited me to go actually he invited my brother jeff to go but my brother jeff ended up getting arrested and my my father had paid like a ticket and he was like and at the time the girl i was with in love with had broke up with me and was cheating on me or something i was like brokenhearted so i had nothing better to do at the time i didn't believe in nothing Mm -hmm. and he was like go to this spiritual retreat with me so I went to the spiritual retreat. That's where I got saved in 2006. Mm-hmm. It was the most amazing experience I ever had in my life. Um, I can always go back to it um, and tell you what happened at that spiritual retreat. But it was it was amazing. But after that, after I got saved, it was like I became way way worse. Yeah. If you know, like I mentioned the Shane when I shared my testimony, mm-hmm. um, there's the verse of the Bible that says, "When a man's house is swept and clean and put in order." And the spirit leaves and it comes back and finds that house empty it takes seven spirits worse than itself Mm -hmm. that 
I feel describes me to the T. Mm -hmm. Once I got saved, it was like I was on fire and lit with this light for like maybe a handful of months afterwards. And then I started to experience some strange spiritual things, mm -hmm. which Shane, you said you don't mind that if I mention I this, mm -hmm. um, I started to experience like demonic attacks. Okay. And, um, and like I got to a point one day where they were so bad that I actually started to pray like to the devil. And like, I was like, if you stop attacking me in my sleep, I won't pray. I want nothing. Yeah. I was like, just leave me alone because I, I was sleeping with my eyes open and all of them stopped and I just totally turned from God Yeah, and I became way worse. And like that, uh, that was when, um, I can't remember the times of everything, but it was, like I said, 2006 is when that happened and then I became way worse. And then it wasn't until, you know, I ended up having my daughter in 2010 it, like i had her right when they called state of emergency mm -hmm. um it was the blizzard of 2010 yeah. like yeah, literally yeah. like fire engines had to come dig us out oh my goodness you know yeah just to just to get to the hospital you know we were all out there digging and stuff and i had to go to saint agnes hospital and so I, I say there's three turning points to my life the one was in 2006 the other one was the day my daughter was born and the third one was prison and now I'll say the fourth one is Crossroads Church of the Nazarene. Yeah. So, you know, there's a new turning point. Yeah. Then hopefully it's the final turning point, yeah. I hope. Um, but uh, I ended up, when my, when my daughter came into the world, that did something to me. It mm -hmm. changed something inside of me. Mm -hmm. I was still crazy, but I went from, like, let, let's, let's put it this way. Even though I was still very sinful and messed up in the head, when my daughter was born, it was at that moment that something changed in me about stealing. Yeah. Something just, it left me. Like the desire to steal another person's car, mm -hmm. you know, just went away. Like the, just anything about thievery just left me. It's like... Yeah. Something about this little girl, I was like, I can never steal from another person again. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. But well, that, you, there were certain things that changed in me. You went from, because you told me this before, but you went from thinking, okay, I'm just going to get whatever I want to survive or just because I wanted whatever. And then you went to, to a have place. have fun or be cool. Yeah. And then you went to a place where you realized, my goodness, somebody worked for this. Somebody yeah. worked for this car or whatever it is that you're stealing. And I know if I worked as hard for, for as hard as they did for this and someone stole it, it would be terrible because you're learning different responsibilities. Yeah, I remember there was a time I had a friend of mine who had like some flats on his car, mm -hmm. flat tires. So we drove around looking for the same car with the mm -hmm. same wheels. Oh, wow. And I, it still haunts me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I remember we stole every tire off of that car and left it on bricks mm -hmm. and there was a baby seat in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and terrible. It's yeah. still that image is burnt into my mind of walking away, remembering that baby seat in that car. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, you can best believe. I think there's a there's somewhere in the Bible where it talks about, you know, um, when you like, I th it's Old Testament, mm -hmm. but you know, how it talks about if you steal from someone, you'll pay double. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can. You can best believe that <laughs> I've paid. Yeah. I've mm -hmm. paid with my freedom. And you go from. Of, you go from. And I'm sure there's a lot more other ways I have to yeah, pay. Yeah. You go from worrying about just yourself to now you have a, a baby and now it's like 
private. It's not just about me that's anymore. When rea- yeah. That's when it woke yep. me up to reality. Yeah. There's someone else that I am responsible for that I care about more than I even care mm-hmm. about myself now. Yeah. You know, like I remember when I was holding my daughter for the first time, I was like, oh gosh, like I care less about anything for me anymore. It's yeah. all it's all about her at this right. point. Right. Sorry so, if I've taken you guys off track. Oh, no, no, no. no. We're asking yeah, so I'm trying to keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to no, like tell you every detail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But without going like, like uh, too, going much, yeah. too yeah. into it where it's taking like So you go to prison. Prison's horrific, terrible. And it's like it, I've it seen changes people your stab to death in prison. Yeah. Really? Yes. Wow. So it's and that changes. So when you leave prison, you leave prison a different person than when you went into prison. Everyone I know says you're not. Once you went to prisons, you've just never been the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still. I feel like I'm. I'll put it this way: You ever heard of people who've been institutionalized? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you right now: being becoming institutionalized has nothing to do with how long you're in there. If somebody tells you, oh, it's because I've been in there 10 years, you're wrong. First of all, humans aren't meant to be in a six set, maybe eight foot by yeah. five foot room, concrete room in the yeah. first place. Yeah. That's for an animal. Yeah. Humans mm-hmm. don't belong in those rooms. I've, I have friends in there that because you meet amazing people behind those walls, but you mm-hmm. also meet a lot of very wicked heartless souls in there i call it the cesspool Mm -hmm. you know but um like humans aren't meant for that Mm -hmm. yeah i mean to be trapped like that you know god like set from what i've learned god has set like eternity and like the in our hearts and like a desire to journey Mm -hmm. and go places you know like i find a lot of christians have this strong desire to adventure like they go hiking and they go this Mm -hmm. something that i need to be a part of you know what i mean but humans are not set to be behind brick walls like that and it it will mess a person up in your head. psyche yep. oh it messes with your psyche especially if you have mental disorders yeah it'll it's like it's like the impact of prison is amplified when you suffer from mental disorders mm-hmm. i remember seeing i remember being in a cell with a kid in there he he it, he felt so claustrophobic that like you could see it was creating in him hypertension and he would just like shrug his shoulders like mm-hmm. like over and over like just trying to breathe and struggling to yeah. breathe you know mm-hmm. and like that's it's not an easy place to be yeah yeah you know and me pretty much my point of what i'm trying to say is um three years for me i still to today feel institutionalized mm-hmm. like I, I don't think it'll ever go away like I, there's times my mom like we got these nice new couches and my room's not the biggest room so i will not go up in my room like my room is a filthy mess right now mm-hmm. because i i cannot be in it mm-hmm. I, it's just too so you small sleep, you sleep on i feel close i i don't sleep on the couch i force myself to go up and mm-hmm. get in bed but i like i'd like to stay in the living room like my brother right now staying at our house i'm sure i invade his privacy a little bit yeah but you know what i mean because i don't want to go up in my room like i won't even clean my room because i feel claustrophobic i feel like oppressed yeah Yeah. when i'm in and i love my room i had my room my mom blessed me with a room Mm -hmm. it should be my sanctuary but for me i feel claustrophobic yeah you so know. did you did you like reconnect your relationship with God in prison or was it after prison? Prison is what really brought me back to God. When I when I ended up in prison, I went in there and when I walked into that door I knew where I had to run. I knew where I had who I had to cry out to. Yeah. I mean, you gotta think about it like this. A three year sentence. Mm-hmm. Now that's a punishment in and of itself. 
Well, another punishment in and of itself is being torn away from your child for yep. three years. Yep. Yeah. So I feel like it was six years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a saying in prison, they say every day, one day feels like a year, but a year feels like a day. It's like the years flash by in, in the blink of an eye, but yeah. every day feels like a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're in there, you're just stuck there. Unless you find some really good people to have a good day, conversation, stories, mm-hmm. yeah. and the day will go by all right, fast. But yeah. other than that, it's miserable. So, so do, um, do they offer in in prison? Do they offer ways for you to go to a like a church service, that sort of a deal, and do they have different oh, you things, activities? The the way God works in those walls, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's tough. But um, I'll say this: when I was in Towson Detention Center, um, there's a guy, a chaplain. Mm-hmm. It's always bringing Bibles, and if there's any book, mm-hmm. that's why I use this as an argument to defend the Bible. I say you can say whatever you want about the Bible, but you tell me why Bibles come into this prison by truckloads, mm-hmm. like they come in and out of these brick walls more than any other book, mm. any drug, anything. They come in and out those walls, mm. like a chaplain brings them in, um, in. There's a difference between going to a state prison and a detention center. Mm-hmm. I believe a t- detention center is like, it's not as privileged. Like, if you're in Towson Detention Center for seven months, I did not taste outside air. Wow. Like, that, there's no going outside. There's no such thing. You're There's, like, tempered glass windows with cages on them. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're in a dungeon cell. There's just no going. The only taste of air you get when you're in a detention center is when they're transporting you to court, hmm. which is every other couple months, and you get in the paddy wagon, and you and even then, you're you're going into a sally port, yeah, so that you can't escape. Like you go into like a big parking area, and then you're locked in the back of a caged van, and then you you know with handcuffs and shackles on, and. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's not freezing ice cold out. When you were locked up, you were wearing a good coat, yeah. unless you're freezing to death with these cold shackles on. But um, you go into a sally port and you can feel the air, but you can't even mm. really, you know, enjoy any yeah. outside. And then they transport you, port you to another bullpen where you don't taste the outside air. It's not until you get to state prison where you know, because you're long term there, that you get to have bigger meals, yeah, and you get to walk outside and go mm. into a prison yard and enjoy the air and people are playing baseball and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like a like a little world inside of a world, yeah. you know. Yeah. But Towson Detention Center, um yeah, that I never tasted. What was your question again? Though? Um are there a lot of activities for you like oh, events, church. church stuff, like how do you how did you meet God in prison? Well, when I went to Towson Detention Center, I uh the first thing I did when I walked on that tier is I said, does anybody have a Bible? And the only Bible that there was at the time mm-hmm. that everybody else had them in their cells was this like whole, a King James version, like torn up, ripped up, just sitting on the corner of the tier. Like somebody just threw it there. Yeah. It was all I had. And I, um, I grabbed it and I went in my cell and I just started to read, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand a word I was reading. Mm-hmm. And I tried and tried, and I still couldn't understand it. Like, there was little names here and there were sticking out to me. It's just, of course, it's a King James version yeah. of that, yeah, and it's I don't harder. know nothing. Yeah. And, like, I don't believe somebody can really understand the Bible without two things, a preacher 
who enlightens the scripture and brings it to life and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. after that, after you hear that, then you can start to read and understand it on your own. Mm-hmm. But I grabbed that Bible and then God worked in amazing ways to like put a fire in me. Mm-hmm. There was a kid who, uh, a guy, he was like 33, 34 at the time, who came in and um, he was a gang member and um, he changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I was saved before I went to prison, but I went worse. Um, but it was prison that really set me back in my it, prison set me in a place where no matter how sinful I am, no matter how tough life gets, that was the turning point where now I can never deny that God is who he is. Mm-hmm. I can never turn from him again. Yeah. I don't think I can ever deny, like, there's things that have been tough since, yeah. way tougher than before. Yeah. I've had demonic attacks way worse. Still haven't turned this time. Mm-hmm. Still haven't given up my beliefs. Still haven't stopped praying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's a guy who came in. Uh, I'll say his name is Ricky. He was um real good dude. If you man, his Facebook is full of Christian stuff. He was a gang member. I actually watched him at one point with a bunch of his other gang members come in the cell and try to tell him to do something and he was just like you can kill me right here i'm in love with jesus christ and Mm -hmm. i'm not doing it anymore i'm not with you anymore Mm -hmm. i watched this happen in a cell like i watched him stand up for christ over all these gangs because you know if you're in a gang yeah you don't do what they say you can get hurt yeah i watched this kid be like i'm in love with jesus i'm sorry You, you can kill me right here i'm not doing nothing you say he saw me desperate for answers. He saw me broken and hurt from being ripped away from my daughter, mm-hmm. whipped away from the woman I was in love with at the time, our apartment, all my things. And um, he he saw me desperate for answers. He didn't come in right away. It was like a month or two after I was there. And he he was he had went to Teen Challenge, if you ever heard of that, mm-hmm. um, at one point in his life. And... Um, he just had he was like in his heart he had a fire for the bible he knew a lot of it and next thing you know we just ended up talking and then then the next day and the next day and the next day we find ourselves just like uh something people would do in prison or jail the detention center is people would play chess they'd play cards at these silver tables um and then there's people, there'd be Muslims be over on one side of the tier. It's very small. Yeah. They all, they'd all be praying. And then there'd be people who would just walk in circles talking around the tables for hours, just walking and walking and talking. So I'd find myself with him every day, just walking around these silver tables full of people, tons of noise, people talking and everything, just talking to me about Jesus every single oh, wow. day. Tell me everything about the book of Genesis. Tell me everything about the Bible. And I mean, you gotta remember, I was broken. Yeah. Like I mean, when I'm saying broken, rock bottom. I, mean, I was completely and utterly just broke. Wow. Like, and I needed answers. I needed them. I couldn't make sense out of everything. It, you know, I've I've been a compulsive person my whole life, mm-hmm. so yeah, I've struggled with that. Just sitting still, not having racing thoughts, being calm. You know, trusting in God, having faith, and I just needed answers. So. He just lit a fire in me, telling me about these stories. And 
I just went in my cell and people thought I was crazy. I ended up yeah. developing a name throughout the whole entire prison system as I had two names, Baby Jesus and Bible Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone called me Baby Jesus because that's if you saw me, I had my Bible. Yeah. Always. And I was going in my cell, some of my cell, I've even gotten in fights because people didn't like my faith in prison. Like I started to go so into it. Like I was taking uh toothpaste and squeezing it on the wall and, and taking paper and ripping it up in fours and writing scriptures and i just stick them all over my cell walls yeah and i find myself late at night and like my you know that my uh, biological clock was ruined yeah mm -hmm. my days turned into nights and my nights turned into days you know I mean? which would cause me to list, miss breakfast lunch and dinner because uh -huh. i would sleep through them all yeah and be stuck up all night and i would just walk back and forth memorizing scripture all night long oh wow you know um and I just started reading the Bible. Now I've I've noticed it from prison. It's affected my memory. Like I don't know if it's distress or maybe some of the thing. I don't know. I just noticed my memory's a little messed up. Yeah. So, and then you know I've done a lot of drugs. So um, I don't. I tell you this: if you gave me a Bible, I could flick all through it, front to back, showing you tons of verses, telling yeah. you all kind of stuff. But I can't. I can't quote everything verbatim yeah. like I, I was at that time yes. when I was in prison. Like when I was in prison, I just, I was so into it. It was like I can quote things verbatim and everything, you know, mm -hmm. but now I've kind of, I can't remember it all verbatim, but I yeah. still, it's still in there. It's in my heart. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah definitely. Definitely. Wow. So that's crazy to go from, I mean, so it really took you, like Eric said, hitting rock bottom. To, to get to a place where you said, I need to change some things in my life. And then it's cool to see how God provided Ricky and and different situations for you to to meet him, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it God will work God will work through I'm gonna tell you this. If you haven't been to some of the hellish places that some people go in this life, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, like jail is hell on earth. Yeah. Without a doubt. And um, it teaches you, it, it leaves like prints on your soul that just never go away. And in my opinion, God will use the, he has the most interesting ways of protecting you, mm -hmm. you know, of helping you. Like if it was not for this guy who was a gang member, mm -hmm. which don't get me wrong, when he stood up to them, they stayed cool with him. They yeah. still... Because they knew who he was, they knew he was real. Yeah. They still considered him one of his. They said, "All right, you love Jesus." They let him alone. They right. didn't attack him. But because he was a Christian, God used him to protect me. Wow. I never asked, and I think he liked that about me. This kid Ricky, I think he liked the fact I never ran to him out of fear and said, "Help me, help me." I just was real. I was me. I was genuine. I read my Bible. He liked me. He loved me as a person. He happened to be a Christian that had got caught up in the wrong things. And let me tell you, he told his members, because they were extorted. I've seen, there were so many kids who came in there that were getting extorted. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care who you are. Yeah. You go in there, you're going to get extorted. Because you get kind of, you starve. They, they feed you like a scoop of like dry eggs. Mm. Like for... Like, they, they feed you nothing in there. Like, it's almost inhumane how much they feed you in detention centers. Yeah. And the food is so disgusting. Like, I've heard people throwing up 
wow. from eating hot dogs. Like they give you uncooked hot dogs. Yeah. Like, and I've heard people throwing up off of them. It, so they feed you hardly nothing. So your only hope to really eat or feel okay at night is you have you better do some uh, uh, Napoleon uh, the, where he shoved the tater tots in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> you better do that with your cornbread and stay uh-huh. yeah. like, hey, you ain't eating your cornbread, you ain't eating yours, and shove it all in your pockets yeah. and stuff and take it in your cell and save your milk and people what people do in there. So when they give you milk, they tie it in a bag and put it in the toilet oh my goodness. to keep it cold. And they, 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 they keep it cold in the toilet all night, and then yeah. they pour it in their... Uh, in in their cereal they'll save cereal for get it from commissary and then they'll pour that milk in the in their bowl and uh eat it in the morning so they're not starving so you like starving yeah so you you hope your family sends you commissary Mm -hmm. what happens is a lot of those kids in there are spending like a hundred something dollars in commissary you don't have any locker you have a you put it in your cell you try to stash it the best you can in your bunk in your pillows and if gang members just extort you they just yes. take it all and then they'll, they'll do it in such a way where they'll make that person so afraid that person will allow their family to keep sending in tons of money just wow. so they can extort them wow yeah yeah they'll even make them get on the phone and have mm-hmm. their parents send them money so that they can so it's it's crazy i never got extorted once wow because of this kid ricky really yeah. Yeah, he just he just told him he's like leave baby Jesus alone. Don't <laughs> so, he reads so his God, Bible, he yeah. stays to himself, he don't start trouble, just don't mess with him. So God even found a way to protect you in a situation like that almost through someone else like Ricky or whatever. Yeah, wow. he's and he's seen he's had he's seen his own comrades try yeah. to pray on me. Wow. Yeah. But he also saw that um I stood up for myself. Yeah. yeah. And it's not easy to stand up for yourself cuz you don't know when like in there you prefer not to get into a fight yeah and if somebody's like oppressing you you try your best to not let it you try to be humble you try to bite your tongue as much as you can and it starts to antagonize you Mm -hmm. yeah like you just you feel like this person is on your neck for whatever reason and people try to manipulate christians in there yeah like there was comrades who come up and be like they they think because I'm Christian and Jesus says to give that I'm supposed to give them all my stuff and starve. Oh wow! Like they try to manipulate me. Yeah, gang yeah. members are. Well, one thing I learned about jail: you meet some of the most manipulative people you've ever met in your life. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about they're so manipulative. I think they got demons of manipulation in them. Yeah, mm-hmm. like straight master manipulators. Yeah, and they would try to manipulate me, but I stood up for myself. I always did. Did that mean I wasn't afraid? No, I was very afraid. I just knew that I couldn't show the fear. Yeah. You know, I don't think, I don't care who you are, how tough you are, everyone in in there finds themselves afraid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And even gang members, the whole purpose they're in a gang is because they were probably afraid or didn't want to stand alone. Right, right, right. Or wanted to be a part of something bigger. Yeah. Wow. So what's your, this would be one of our, I have, I have like two more questions. Yeah, because we're going to have to wrap, wrap up, up eventually. Um, yeah, yeah this, is, this, is, this is like fascinating though. Um, what? I think there'll be a part two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm more than willing to come back. <laughs> I can tell, tell you things I've witnessed in prison. Yeah. I, can, I know. I, we, I, I'm just like fascinated with all these stories. They're yeah. pretty incredible. But more than anything, Jesus Christ is yeah. amazing. Yeah. So what's your, what is your... Now that you've been out of prison, you're 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 clean. You're you're fighting to live every day. You've made you're, mistakes since you've prison, made mistakes, as you've but about. but you're you're still going. So what's your 
what's your future goal? What are you trying to do in the future? And like, where do you think God's in you to um, later on in life? I believe, I believe I have a call in my life to be a preacher. I do. Um, It's, it baffles me because I, you know, I still have anxiety. Mm -hmm. I still can feel that I'm compulsive in a lot of ways. I'm very aware of how I am. Yeah. Of how, like, I, I feel like mentally ill in a lot of ways. Yeah. And a lot of sins I'm struggling with. And I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I always talk to God and I'm like, I mean, there's been times I've fallen to my knees just begging God, like, please change me, please. And I just somehow end up worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's maybe I've heard somebody say deliverance comes through service. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true, but I'm trying it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to just engage in serving and being a part of the church. But yeah. I, be- I believe I have a call to be a preacher. I believe my testimony in and of itself is probably one of the huge reasons why I have that calling. Yeah. Um, so I don't doubt it. And think of all the people like in prison now that you could be a Ricky to, mm-hmm. that you could mentor and like help along that way because you know, you know the drill, you know, you know where they come from, you know, because that was you. Like, like, God can take a story like yours and and just everything that you've gone through, and use it to just impact other people that are going through the same stuff or yeah, just starting, absolutely. and they don't even know where they're going. They don't even know the road they're leading. Like you hang out on Circle Drive, you don't know what leads you to where it did. Um, but God can use that story mm-hmm. um, to just completely change people's lives. Yeah. So, what what would you say to? And this, this we can wrap up after this, but what would you say to? anyone that's that was like you in middle school high school and they're starting to go down that path they're starting to um they're starting to try drugs and and do all this stuff what what would you say to someone like that that was listening to this i can say a few short things that are pretty good that i i I think definitely need to be said one of them i'll start off by saying this and this is what i've learned for me personally um my father used to tell me if you don't touch weed, you'll never have to know what the high is like. Yeah. Well, I'd say be careful what you attach yourself to in this world, mm-hmm. emotionally, mentally, physically. Like the more things you attach yourself to emotionally, spiritually, and just you, the more things you attach your being to mm-hmm. of the things of this world, the greater the pain will feel when God has to tear you from it. Yeah to save you and i have attached myself to so many things whether it's bad relationships it just it you know the uh it's like a um sex porn the more images the more powerful Mm -hmm. they're in your mind and the harder they are to get rid of so don't it's like don't don't touch don't attach yourself to things and you won't have to it will be easier to stay pure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll it'll be easier to live. Like I heard in your podcast, you said you were a virgin mm-hmm. until your wife, you and your wife got right. married. It would have been all the more harder for you to stay if you had had sex mm-hmm. outside of marriage before, right? 
to to stay celibate with your wife. When you when you do it the first time, then it's so much easier to keep going back, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I struggle with breaking away from sins. Yeah. So the stay well, pure sins, while sins you are, can. Sins are enticing. Yeah. Sins can be fun. They can just lead you down a destruct because if it wasn't fun, no. And it becomes norm. Yeah. It, it becomes, becomes norm. a normal. Like, yeah, it is what it is. And it desensitizes you. Yeah. Yeah. Sin desensitizes you, defiles you. So right. um, I would say stay pure while you can. Do not feel like you're missing out. Yeah. But I felt like if I didn't smoke weed, I'd miss out. Mm. I felt like I had to experience things. Mm. Yeah. To be Fear to have knowledge, yep. to have wisdom, to yeah. like if I didn't know what it's like to be hardcore if i didn't know what it's like to do cocaine that i wouldn't right. be cool yeah yeah I mean, unless i could you know and look at me here now i'm here telling about all the misery i've been through yeah yeah you know but it's that desire of acceptance that at the time you want to be accepted so yeah i'll smoke weed if i accept me or whatever it's i think all of us have that desire yeah, of acceptance and this world's going to leave us empty every time we're seeking acceptance here yeah and i think that's why it's so important that we're selective about the people that we're around because whoever you want to be accepted by, um, if whatever it takes to be accepted by them is what people are normally hard, willing yeah, to do, hard to especially not. at a middle school, high school age, teenage yeah. age. And so if you're around a crowd of people like the guys on Circle Drive, your circle of influence circle is, is huge. Is so huge. It's like when I teach the students, that's like I, I preach a message on Circle Influence like once a month. Yeah. Because I know where it can take kids that have the best of intentions in life they're gonna go do all those great things but they just hang out with the wrong people before you know it their intentions are here but their direction is the complete opposite way yeah and they'll never get where they want because they just have they didn't intentionally do it they had they planned on all this great stuff but it just it's it's hard Mm because you're in that time of adolescence yeah yeah absolutely well there's i could say one other thing yeah Yeah. one or two other things if that's okay yeah yeah. the other thing i'll say is this uh, and I, I, I want to say this. It was something I thought about saying um, when you guys asked me to do this. I think one of the most key things that's going on in my life right now is realizing that I cannot escape his God's love. Mm. I can't escape. Yeah. I don't. I don't care if if God has His hand on, in on your life. You're not gonna get away from His love. You yeah. can't yeah. escape it. And it's actually His love. That will bring you, break you down. It's mm-hmm. his love that will bring you to your knees because it's like, you just, I don't know how to explain it. I just know yeah, yeah. you can't escape That's God's good. love. Yeah. The story I mean? of the prodigal son is what it reminds me of. Yep. No matter yeah. how far he ran, he came back and the dad was waiting. Waiting. Arms yeah. open. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the keys to like, you know, God won't, God won't let up on you. No matter how, no matter what sins and what, I, I don't understand. I don't, you know, as any other Christian, it's like faith. I don't know how how God's going to change all the parts of me that need to be changed. Yep. I don't know how it's all going to come about, but I know that he who started a good work in me will also finish it. That's right. And I'm sure in time he'll do what he feels he needs to do with me, even if that means send me back to prison to break me again. I don't know. Hopefully that don't happen. Yeah. <laughs> I've begged him. Yeah. I've gotten on my knees like, please don't let me go. <laughs> I'd rather die than yeah. go. But I'm sure God ain't worried about your comfort. That's yeah. right. He's not worried about your comfort. You know, he's worried about your soul. So he'll break you if he's got to break you. Hmm. But you can't escape God's love. Yeah. And, other, and the last thing I'll say is know your enemy. Yeah. 
you definitely one of the biggest things to being able to stay on the right path or anything is to just the devil don't I would say this I give no credit I I would never put the devil on a pedestal but I will say this and I I believe it's in the Bible as well you know like a lot of people are like screw Satan or I am Satan or they'll mm -hmm. say blasphemous things or whatever you know evil things and I'm gonna say if like I, there's a somewhere in the Bible Titus where the Archangel Michael um, wouldn't rebuke the devil mm -hmm. but he said the Lord rebuke you mm -hmm. don't underestimate the expect apart from faith in the cross and having Christ take all the power away from the devil if you're if you're not saved and if or even if you are but you're not living right and you're you're opening doors don't underestimate the power of Satan mm -hmm. and that, like know your enemy and know yeah. that it's you better run to God to beat him because mm -hmm. yeah. you're not going to beat him yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's if right. that makes sense, if it you does. guys understand what I'm sense. saying, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. so man, that I, I we could honestly probably talk for another hour with some stories. Yeah. Oh, I but, could keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but, if but I that was tell you the yeah, stories yeah, we'll, in prison. We'll definitely have you back on again. Yeah, that, that was great. So, Greg, thank you so much for just being thank you, Greg, open and just being vulnerable and just saying like you were willing to say anything. So yeah. thank you for sharing your story. And I'm, and it's it's amazing to hear how God's using it. And I'm excited to see where God's going to take you from yep. this point on too. That's right. So uh, Greg, thank you so much for, Thanks, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, you guys. Man. Yeah. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Yeah. I, would, I don't know what to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is, man. Hearing you guys the other night, I felt like I was on a professional talk show. <laughs> Listening in on a professional yeah. talk and show. And then you showed is. up here and you went, oh, this is not professional. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. It's just, in this creepy guy's room right now. <laughs> he's got, he's he's got cool. incest going behind yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you guys probably weren't as, as, as um, lightful as you normally were. This oh, is no, a no, we have serious one. Yeah. No, but this is important. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope stuff. it pays off. You know, yeah, the no, seriousness it of it. I will. I think people so, enjoy right, it. Buddy, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.